This is episode number 69 with Amanda Drobness. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. This is your host, Michelle Lamoureux, and I'm so excited to tell you about something I've been working on with my web designer, Heather Jones from Viva La Violet. Um, We've been working on it behind the scenes for a little while, and it's finally launched. So I think it's so important to have a very easy-to-navigate website, and one that allows anyone visiting it, a very positive experience that is beneficial to them. So now that I'm up to episode number 70, I asked Heather to do two things. One is, it was just one column of podcasts, and now there's 12 episodes per page. So that makes it easier to find shows. But then I asked her to take it one step further. I went in on the back end and categorized every single episode so that you could find the shows that are most interesting and relevant to you. So if you visit thegoodlifecoach.com and on the main navigation bar, go to podcast, you will see a beautiful purple banner that says podcast categories. So now you can search by entrepreneurship, finance, health, lifestyle, relationships, and expert. So if you're an entrepreneur or want to be an entrepreneur or love hearing the inspiring stories of how somebody started and is scaling their company, you just click on the entrepreneur button and everything related to entrepreneurship is there. So you could just scroll through those categories to find the shows that are most interesting to you. So I want to say thank you again to Heather Jones. She's amazing. So joining us on the show today is Amanda Drobdes, who's the CEO and co-founder of Hilltop Biosciences, which is developing and distributing veterinary regenerative matrix products to help animals recover quickly after injury. So she's going to tell us the story about how her love of animals, particularly of horses, and her love of business got combined to create this entrepreneurial venture. It's a great show and I look forward to introducing you to Amanda. Hey, Amanda, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be on. I'm excited. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, I'm excited to learn more about your story. So I'm curious, how does somebody go from getting an injection in their hip to deciding so that they can ride their horse and turn that into a business? Take us into your backstory. How did you get started and become a CEO? Um, it's a it's a big step, big launch there. But um, so originally, um, I had that hip injection, and um, I started riding again um, after six weeks. Um, and it was wonderful, and I felt great. And so then I started selling that same product to doctors and hospitals throughout New England. Um, so I became a sales rep for that company because I just loved that it helped me get back on my horse. So what was it that was actually injected? What was the product? Oh. So the product was a uh, regenerative matrix, 
Okay. Um, it has all sorts of regenerative proteins that um, go in and regenerate the tissue that you injured. Um, so in my case, I injured my hip, um, and this product helps um, regenerate any of the tissue that was injured from that, um, and it reduces inflammation and um, helps you heal faster um, than if you just left it to its own devices. Okay. And um, how did you injure your hip in the first place? I, um, we think it was from a variety of riding accidents mm. and skiing accidents, mm. but it was a very cumulative uh, injury. So it happened over probably four or five years um, of overuse is my, mm. my line. But I'll go with. <laughs> okay. But the injection helped you recover to the point where you never had that discomfort? Yep. The injection really helped. Um, after about three weeks, I was feeling great and could walk without any pain. And then um, I was allowed to get back on my horse at about the six-week mark. And from there, there was never any additional pain with riding. Um, or walking, or or skiing, or dancing, or any other activities that I had originally had okay. issues with. So it was pretty much good to go after that. Wow! And so, were you? What was what was the line of work that you were in? And how did you just say, "Oh, this drug is so cool. This therapy is so cool. I'm going to now be a rep for it." Like, how did you make that transition? Where were you coming from professionally? Um, I was actually coming from a moment in my career where I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. um, I was working for, for PetSmart um, doing marketing and I really liked my job, but I was ready to ready for something new and different. And um, I was offered the sales position after uh, the successful uh, treatment. And so I said, well, maybe now, maybe now is a great time to make that career change. So I jumped at the opportunity. Wow. Okay. And so then how did you make the leap from selling the therapy to then using it on horses? I know that you were always looking for a line of work that would allow you to combine your love of animals with business because both of those were passions of yours. But how did you actually, like how long into the process before you got this light bulb and decided to start investigating and start it? So it was, um, it was probably about a year and a half after my first injection, my only injection um, in my hip that a friend's horse that I was riding at the time had an injury to her hind leg mm. and it was, we tried all sorts of things and it took me a long time to think about it. It was probably six months or so before, after that injury had occurred to my friend's horse, um, for me to really put the, the two pieces together and say, wait, why are we doing all this? Why don't we try that other stuff that mm. I use? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was then that I reached out to the CEO of the company I was working for and said, what is the possibility of, of even doing this? Um, and it's since been about six years now, seven, mm -hmm. six or seven years since that first initial conversation. And so did you partner with that person or did you go and just purchase the, the, the therapy from him and then launch your own thing? So we partnered for a little bit of time to 
to do some science and they thought it was a great idea and a good market. And um, then a variety of different things happened along the way. It was, it was time consuming. Um, and that wasn't really this, the human company's focus. Uh, so it kind of fell off the table for a little bit. Um, and then that CEO um, and the scientists had left the, that company um, and so it was then that I started reaching out to other uh, scientists and bioengineers that I had um, met through various functions through my current job, or then I guess through my sales job, um, and found the right people to connect. And so it was about three years later after that initial con- contact that we decided to um, try making it in our own lab. Uh, so it was a little bit of a convoluted process to actually get to talking to the CEO, making the product, and then being and then founded founding this company. And so, how many years ago did you start your company? We started Hilltop Bio about two years ago, um, but we were doing some science and some R and D and all that uh, about a year before that. Okay. And so did you use the therapy on your friend's horse and did it work? <laughs> I'm assuming yes, but <laughs> what happened? <Yes. laughs> so we, uh, one of the first, that horse continued to, to stay lame and injured. Um, and so we did eventually treat her and she did do really well. Um, and that was kind of our first indication that we were on the right path. Okay. So now we got to, we got to understand for, you know, for myself and everyone listening. So what exactly is regenerative therapy? And you said the original company that you were selling the product for was for human use. So tell us how it was original, like what the original purpose was, which I know now you've adapted for, for animals or specifically horses, but what, like, how is this used? What kind of doctors use this? Because I've not heard of it before. Um, so right now, most uh, physicians, a lot of physicians uh, in orthopedics know of it as an amniotic membrane or amniotic fluid injection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically what that means is that um, both for human and animals, uh, the placental, placental material, the amniotic membrane and fluid is collected after a baby is born. Mm-hmm. On the human side, that's after a C-section a planned C-section, and the mother's consent and um, lots of paperwork and understanding. Um, so they collect that, that raw material, and then they process it and make it an, an injection. Um, and that's used for, on the human side, tendons, ligaments, um, long non-healing diabetic wounds, um, some eye ulcers, so a variety of different soft tissue injuries. Mm. And the similar process uh, for the veterinary side and similar indications, um, a lot of the orthopedists today are just starting to learn about the benefits of using a regenerative matrix with a with this base of amniotic membrane and fluid. Um, so it's just now starting to become uh, something that people know about and understand. And we're scratching the surface in the regenerative therapy world there are quite a number of regenerative therapy opportunities and things that we're learning. Stem cells is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of helps us a few more steps along the way. 
Yeah, I was actually going to learn there. Yeah, it sounds like it. I was going to actually ask you if you, if it was stems from based on stem cells when you mentioned the placenta. So, is the regenerative methods that are used like is it one specific? I don't even know if it's a drug. What is it specifically, or is it something separate? Because you said used in conjunction with the amniotic uh, fluid. So, how is it two separate things? I'm just trying to understand the science of it and what the actual product is. So it depends on what product we're talking about. There's several different products and um, several different ways to make it. Um, all have a lot of the same proteins. Uh, so basically, some product, some of the amniotic membrane and fluid says it it has stem cells. Uh, the ones that we're creating for the veterinary side, we do not claim have stem cells. Um, we actually don't think that for our purposes that we need stem cells. So that's not to say that we that stem cells don't have a purpose, because mm-hmm. um, I, I think that a lot of our research indicates that they do. Uh, but the purpose of, of soft tissue and orthopedic injuries that we're looking at, we don't think the stem cells make a huge impact. Um, so our products are are, st- are, are cellular, are, are stem cell free, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other products out there that are based in amniotic membrane and fluid that also add stem cells from like umbilical cord or Wharton's jelly or um, a variety of different uh, fetal tissues. Okay. So if I'm understanding you correctly, there's various treatments and they're not all from the same source. Some are stem cell based and yours is cellular. Is that correct? Ours is acellular. Oh, acellular. And so what does that mean? What's acellular? Acellular means what? So acellular means devoid of stem cells. Okay, that's specifically so what it means. Cellular would mean that, yep, so cellular means that it has the stem cells, and acellular, we don't have any. Okay, and so for humans, it sounds like it's been pretty mainstream. Is that true? Um, you mentioned it's been used in orthopedic settings, but um, so is that is it a pretty common drug? Um, it's becoming more common. I wouldn't say it's, it's common yet. Okay. And so when you uh, had it, was it like... We're doing lots of studies. (laughs) Okay. And when you had it, was it pretty new then? Like, was it like, oh, let me try this thing? Like, I'm just curious how that even became... It It was. (laughs) I was was a little bit of a guinea pig at that point. We hadn't... Yep. We we had used it um, mostly for non-healing diabetic wounds. Mm -hmm. And we knew that it had uh, some capabilities in soft tissue healing and we knew that it could be a void filler um, meaning that it could it could just fill the the area where you have an injury we didn't quite understand how it really worked at that point um and so this was it was sort of a well we know that there's no chance that you're going to have an adverse reaction because in all the literature which um there's quite a lot of literature dating back Mm -hmm. about a hundred years um, and in all of that, it never said that there was a risk of, um, rejection. Mm. So because of that, I said, well, my hip really, really hurts and I really want to get back to riding. Mm-hmm. Let's try it. <laughs> wow. So they presented it to you and you said, sure, I'm game. Cause, because you were, were understanding yep. that there shouldn't be any adverse reaction. So it either was going to do nothing at all. Like it wasn't going to help the right. hip. 
or it was, but it wasn't going to hurt you. And so were you having trouble walking? Like how severe was your pain or discomfort? My pain was pretty bad. Hmm. Yeah, I was, I was having trouble walking. Um, I couldn't really go up, up the stairs or hills. Um, and when I really noticed it, it got worse after skiing, um, a few times and then it continued to get worse as I rode. Um, so then walking became even harder (laughs) after doing all those activities. (laughs) So (laughs) just, just kept getting worse. And you only got one shot, Amanda? I only got one shot. Yep. And then how long after that did you feel better? Um, I felt better almost probably within a week. Um, but it wasn't until I got back to riding and I did PT, uh, physical therapy, um, to really help correct the imbalances that I had created by using the hip incorrectly for so many years of having this injury. Mm. Um, so after, you know, I felt great after six weeks, but, um, it probably took about nine to 10 weeks, maybe even 12 weeks before I, after some physical therapy that I really felt a hundred percent myself. Wow. That's pretty cool. Okay. And so your friend's horse, how long did it help? (laughs) How long until it helped your friend's horse? Um, well, she, she started feeling better fairly quickly. Um, probably about two to three days into it. She, we noticed that she was a little happier and then, um, um, she was feeling, she had a chronic injury similar to mine, um, not in the hip, but, um, in her leg. Mm-hmm. And so it was probably about six weeks later that, that we really saw a big difference. Mm. Um, and then again, after really bringing her all the way back into work, similar to what we would do in physical therapy for humans, um, it was probably more like 14 or 16 weeks before we, um, saw significant improvement. Um, and then she was back into work and doing great. Wow. Okay. So here you are. Your background's more in business. You don't have a science background, do you? Um, I have an animal science background, so a little bit, but not nearly like our bioengineers do. Okay. And then you, <laughs> so take us into what, what, how you actually launched your company. I mean, you obviously had to hire the right people who did have the, the uh, science background <laughs> who could do the research necessary and create the product. So how did, take us into what that looked like. How did you get that going? So I started uh, basically by uh, selling additional regenerative therapies um, and, and meeting um, uh, other vet- veterinarians in the space um, and meeting other sales reps. So I, I brought some regenerative therapies that are, were already existing in the space um, and I started to rep the uh, sale, be a sales rep for those as well. Um, and so I met some veterinarians and met some um, sales reps that helped introduce me to other people and grow my network. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I had already made those contacts with the, the bioengineers and the scientists. Um, and my father was a big part of this as he is one of the first um, physicians to write a more recent article on using this for non-healing diabetic wounds. Mm. So we had a lot of connections for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and between all of that, we, we kind of found some volunteers to help us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have any startup funds except for my ask. own. Um, yeah. So it was, it, <laughs> it was lot. on a, 
Yeah. <laughs> we asked a lot. Um, yeah. But I learned that if I didn't ask, I didn't get. Yeah. And so. I'm saying it's a lot to start up a company, especially with what you were trying to do. Yeah. So you self-funded or are you still self-funded? Uh, so we were self-funded then, but then uh, this past July, we are now uh, funded by angels uh, nice. in the Boston community. Awesome. And so, so we, we okay. raised our final, our first round. Oh, congratulations. And so um, just going to take a step back though. When you were selling to the vets, were you selling uh, the human stuff or you for them to use in animals or were they already adopt, had they already adopted this practice themselves? So they were using other, there are other regenerative therapies out there that um, are like uh, platelet-rich plasma or bone marrow or adipose-derived stem cells where mm -hmm. you take the product out of one specific horse. You take blood or out of, or fat um, or bone marrow out of that specific animal. We, we do this in humans too. Um, and then you put it right back into that mm -hmm. animal or human. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a little different than what we do today in with this regenerative matrix amnion-derived product. What, what I was selling before was... Um, specific to that horse. Mm. Okay. And now what we have is a, a, a shelf stable or um, a way to treat that same horse. All the products are the same and it doesn't matter what horse or animal or human it goes into. And so who buys your products then? Is it vets? Like who's your market? Our market is for, is direct to our veterinarian, mm -hmm. um, starting with our equine horse veterinarian, mm -hmm. um, and then they sell it to their clients. And do, do they find that it works on every animal and does it work on every person or is there a certain percentage that it just does nothing, nothing adverse, but nothing good either? Um, so we're still trying to figure out what that percentage will be on the vet side, on the horse side, but on the human side, it seems to be about 10% just don't respond. Mm. And they don't know why? We haven't figured out why. We're working towards it, but yeah. um, it's just, it depends, I think, on the injury and um, how far along or how chronic that injury is or how compliant the patient is. Mm. Do they follow mm. your instructions or not? Um, so there's, I think there's a lot of variables that we still have to account for. Mm -hmm. And where do you want to take your company in the next five years? Like what's the vision that you have for it now that you're a couple of years in and you've got some funding? So our vision is to create a few more product lines for specific indications. So we're, we're doing some research in, in a variety of different indications, not just orthopedic. Mm. And, um, and then we also want to introduce our product to dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a big thing because a lot of dogs have arthritis mm -hmm. and they're in pain and, um, a lot of those dogs don't have access or the medicine, you know, doesn't really work for them. And so this might be an alternative to help them live a little bit longer, mm -hmm. um, and enjoy mm -hmm. life a little bit more. That's so we're awesome. excited to enter the, the dog market. <laughs> Cause it's been specifically um, in the equine market up until now. Up until now, we're just focused on equine. Okay, Plus yeah. We're, we're working to refine it for equine and yep. then take that same science for dogs. And you said potential other applications. Are you able to talk about what that, what you have in mind? 
Um, not yet, but okay. we're we're almost ready. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, that could be top secret. Um, you know, you know, I don't it, know. And it's do top you have, secret right this second? Yeah, and do you have competitors <laughs> in your space since it's such a young field right now? Uh, so there's uh, there's two other companies that have just started. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a slightly different product, mm-hmm. um, and so we're. I say they're competitors because you're never without a competition. There's right. always something you're competing, right. whether you're replacing it or or not. So we have those two competitors, but we are a slightly different product. So we're looking forward to embracing the market and, and teaching everybody more about us. Hmm. Can you share a, a lesson learned or a failure along the way uh, that would help other women who are, you know, in the early stages of their companies and facing some adversity or just not making the traction that they were hoping they'd make by now? Any words of wisdom or lessons learned that you could share? Well, the, the age old one is don't give up unless you, you really haven't looked at all the, have looked at all of the options and you can't find any, but that's one that everybody talks about. Don't give up. And I, I say that because there have been so many opportunities where I could have just said, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Um, even after we got funding and getting funding was really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest piece of advice and lesson learned was that after saying I'm, you know, I'm set up with all of this is I go back and I make a kind of a list and, and say, how far have I need? like how far have I come and what have I overcome and remind myself that it's probably been, it was harder maybe, maybe a month ago or maybe a year ago, I was in a completely different place. Mm. And so I think for, for me, the biggest thing is make those lists and see where you've come and then say, if do you have that in you to keep going? Because you'll probably overcome this too. Mm-hmm. What percentage of vets are using the, these kinds of therapies? Like, is this pretty mainstream or is it still young within this community as well? Uh, it's still very, very young. Yeah. Uh, in the horse community, it, it's a little more mainstream. Uh, they've been using different technologies for a little bit now. Mm. Um, so they're aware of the benefits of regeneration and regenerative matrixes and, and different opportunities out there, but they haven't quite found their, um, their, their main product, their main go-to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of room to grow. Mm-hmm. And in the canine side, the dog and cat side, it's, uh, it's just starting mm-hmm. to become even something they're interested in. Uh, so it's very small interest rate this second, but you mm-hmm. can see that it's it's growing. So, so a huge part of what you have to so do that, is education then. Yeah, a huge part is education um, and teaching them about about the benefits of what's in these kinds of products and how it helps and why they should be using them. Yeah. You mentioned arthritis. What else does it help? Pain, arthritis, what what other conditions does it help for horses and, and potentially dogs and cats? Um, tendon or ligament injuries. Mm-hmm. Our horses get a lot of those. Um, dogs do as well, especially puppies that are pretty rambunctious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, we're looking at eye ulcer, um, some major eye ulcers. This is a very easy to use product for that. Um, non-healing wounds, so wounds that um, your horse or your dog has had for a long time and nothing seems to close. This really does help um, for that type of thing. 
And then in the future, we have, um, like I mentioned, a few top secret indications mm-hmm. that we're still working on. Cool. I will, you'll have to update us on what, what happens with that. So what's the mindset? Absolutely. Cool. What's the mindset that you think a woman needs to have to be successful as an entrepreneur, as a CEO of her own company? I think the biggest one is to be able to speak up for your needs and for what you want and for where you want to go. Um, this The entrepreneur community is not quite filled with a lot of women just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ma- very male dominated and um, you can't be afraid to speak up in those conversations and um, to know what it is that you want and or need to make it to the next step and to not be afraid to talk to anybody and everybody. Everybody in this community is willing to help just have to find the right connection. Yeah, that's great advice. And uh, other women that I've interviewed and spoken to are in the science arena and the spe- in the science fields, any of them, whether it's, you know, I had a woman who teaches and has a product uh, in games that teaches um, about antibiotic resistance and, you know, all the stuff. But in terms of fundraising, I'm hearing that there's often a barrier to getting funding for these kinds of companies. Did you find that it's, you have to work a bit harder? And did you also find that as a woman that it was, there were any additional barriers or challenges? Um, So it is a little bit harder as a woman um, to be taken seriously um, and to show that you're just as confident and just as able to produce results as your male counterparts. Um, And I definitely see that as a barrier of entry right now. The the investor community is still Mm -hmm. male-dominated, as is the entrepreneur community. And so I think there's just this, they're working towards a shift of understanding the differences between how um, men pitch because it's very different than a woman. A woman has a little bit more of an emotional feel to it. Mm. Um, unless um, I know everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and we know, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to say, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that takes our investors a little off guard. They're, they're surprised by that. Um, mm-hmm. And not every investor is like that, mm-hmm. but being open to new ideas and, and being willing to share those ideas and listen um, are big keys to success amongst that community because it's something um, that they haven't been quite used to. So it's a barrier of entry, but it's also a key to your success by being outspoken about it and saying, I'm willing to listen to whatever it is that you have to say, but I also have an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, it's great for you to be able to share that because uh, I am hearing that these are common challenges that women do pitch differently than men do. And they're also pitching predominantly to other men uh, or to men that they're pitching predominantly to men. And so um, there can be a disconnect in how information is being communicated and how confidently the information is being communicated. And so uh, congrats. Obviously, people are seeing the value of what you're creating. So. Um, I'm glad you got that early stage funding and, and you know, that it helps propel you to the next phase in the development of what you're doing. And, and I think, thank you. And I, I think one thing that gets overlooked is that we have to educate ourselves about how the funding process works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a big piece of 
for me, that was a big piece of my success was to understand how our angels or our funders felt, our investors felt about um, investing and what is it what they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, the biggest key to success there was to um, learn the whole process. So if you're in the Boston community, there's lots and lots of resources. Um, but in other communities, it's probably not as easy to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, going on the web and, and finding resources that can teach you what it is that you're missing or that you don't understand, or maybe you don't know that you don't even understand that. But that was a big key to my success um, at, in at least pitching to these investors was that I at least had a general idea of what they were looking for. Yeah. And so that's, that's another thing that I didn't, I didn't bring up before, but I think it's important is that go and learn before you. Yeah. Don't just go pitch. pitch. Yeah. That's great advice. And where in Boston for anyone who might be in Boston, did you find those kinds of resources? Um, In Boston, we have a great group called the Capital Network Mm -hmm. and they were very helpful. Uh, They do a, a wide array of seminars and then MIT um, enterprise forum Mm -hmm. is open to other, uh, you don't have to be an MIT alum. Um, And there's MIT enterprise forums in a a few different states, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And those were the two main ones, but there's, there's also um, an an entrepreneur networking group that I believe um, is in other cities here is called Boston uh, Boston Entrepreneur Networking, mm-hmm. um, and they put on seminars. So there's lots of them, and just you just have to go searching for your community. Totally, yeah. And do, what would you suggest somebody Google if they were looking in their city, and maybe it's not as big of a city as Boston, or isn't as rich in the venture capital or angel communities? What What would you suggest? Um, I'd probably first start with the Angel uh, Cap ACA. I think it's Angel Capital Association, mm-hmm. um, and they might have a list of resources or at least a list of angel groups in your area. And then click on those websites um, and see if in those in your area, if they most of the angels are um, connected to a lot of those resources because they want to teach future entrepreneurs about this process. Um, so that's a great place to start is to find the angel groups in your area through the ACA. Mm-hmm. And then I also would Google um, entrepreneur seminar um, in then your city name or town name and see what, what comes up. I, I know if I do that in Boston, I get quite a number of hits. So mm-hmm. That should help. That's great. And um, Amanda, how do you just, how do you define success? I define success as being something that I've hit my milestones or I've at least tried to hit my milestones and I did it with a smile on my face <laughs> and I didn't, uh, <laughs> because you're going to fail. And so success is a wonderful thing, but you have to look and, and the way to define success is by looking at where you came from mm-hmm. and it's okay to fail too. And I think that's a big piece that we forget mm-hmm. that sometimes you're going to fail, but if you get back up, and try again, maybe you'll overcome the next steps. Mm. I'm wondering how much riding horses has taught you about failure because you can fall off that horse or get thrown off a lot, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I've been thrown off my fair share of horses, been hurt, and you just get back on and mm-hmm. 
and you say, okay, what did I do wrong and how can I make it better? Mm. Uh, Do you have a morning or evening routine that fosters your success? I have a a little bit of both. My morning routine, um, I make sure that at least three mornings a week I hit the gym um, before really talking to anybody. And sometimes it means that I I didn't hit the gym until eight o'clock in the morning and I'm kind of a little late for what people would say this is the start of your day, Mm -hmm. but um, then I work later. So uh, to me, I don't have to start at 8 a.m. And I, as long as I get my three days a week of the gym, I'm a happy girl. Mm. Um, so that's a big starter for the morning. And then in the evenings, I make sure that before bed, I take at least 20 minutes and I stretch. Mm. And while I'm stretching, I think about the things that I accomplished today. I think about, um, I kind of de-stress and don't think about the things that are going to happen, but just think about the things that made me happy in that day Mm. and um, how to just something that makes me smile. So I kind of, as I'm stretching, I just think about different things that made me smile so that when I go to bed, I don't think about all the things that are still left to do. The other thing I do is put a notepad by my bed because when I start thinking Mm. about all those other things, I can write them down and I won't forget. And that's made a huge difference in my life. I always forget about that. That's my number one. Absolutely. I have actually recommended that that to so many friends who are not sleeping because they're waking up at three in the morning with the to-do list playing in their head. I'm like, you've got to get it on paper Mm -hmm. the night before for sure. Um, Are there any books that you read in terms of uh, entrepreneurship or how to be a good CEO or any of that stuff that you could recommend? There is, um, and I have to remember what it what it was um, that I really loved. Um, it's an excellent book about about being a woman in this place, in this space, um, and how to kind of act like a man, if you will, but not really. Um, mm. But basically, get back at them. Um, it's called Seducing the Boys Club by okay. Nina. Dis- I don't remember her. Don't know how to say her last name, but it's. I think it's DeSessa. Okay. And I'm sorry if she's listening. <laughs> and I totally messed up her <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes so people will be able to find it. No worries. Um, it's called Seducing the Boys Club. I've not heard of that one. Mm-hmm. It was good. It's an excellent read, especially if you're in an industry that is full of men. It's, it's her account of working in the marketing industry um, in the ver- very early, I think it was 90s. Um, when it was really only men mm-hmm. um, and, and how to get them to play nicely with mm. you. And it's mm. definitely helped quite a bit for me. Mm. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, can you leave the women listening with your three best tips for living a good life? My three best tips for living a good life. Um, make sure to smile, even if you're not having the best day putting a smile on your face, not a fake smile, but finding something that makes you happy and thinking about that to help put a smile on your face, I think makes the day go better. Um, and you kind of trick your brain into thinking I can do this. Um, the next is play music that makes you happy. I'm all about happy, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything that makes me happy is yeah. living the best life. Yeah. Um, and so 
I love to listen to music um, and I have a playlist for specific moods um, and those that that helps me get into a better place in my head to not mm-hmm. think about all the negative things that mm-hmm. are out there and that can mm-hmm. be plaguing me um, or making me anxious or um, it just just helps to know that there's other things out there. And so playlists for um, different moods to get you in a different place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then being true to yourself and knowing who you are and knowing what it is that you stand for. I think that makes you live the best life that's out there is to, to understand you and to take that time to understand who you are and what do you want in this life? Cause this is it. This is your only life and you better live it to the best that you can and you have to enjoy it. And it's up to you to make those changes. Nobody else. Absolutely. That's actually a perfect place to end. Cause that's really, you know, what the show's all about is what's possible <laughs> for you and own that and find your joy and, you know, make the most of this one precious life. So thank you. That was a great place to end. Where can people learn more about you and your work, Amanda? Where can I direct them? Um, our website has lots of information um, about the products and about the science, and it's hilltopbio.com. Awesome. Such a pleasure. This was really interesting. I love talking about uh, science-related uh, <laughs> companies. Uh, it's an, always an education for me and hopefully for the women listening, and it's so cool to hear how women are just creating these amazing businesses by following their passions. You wanted to combine your love of business and animals and you've done that. So this has been just a joy to learn more and congrats to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Oh, good. (laughs) It's fun for me too. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks as always for tuning in. I hope that you will check out the website over at thegoodlifecoach.com and head over to the podcast page so you can find all of the shows that are most relevant to you. While you're there, please take a second to join the weekly newsletter. You'll get an email from me every Wednesday morning with the latest episode of the podcast, other inspiration and tips, and my favorite takeaway from that week's episode. You'll also get as a thank you, a questionnaire called Discover Your Purpose. I am hearing that so many people, even at mid-age like myself, are on a quest to really figure out why we are here. And I created this questionnaire actually um, in 2018. Um, I had used it for some coaching clients and I wanted to share it with you because taking time to think about and answer these questions opens up some information to you that you might not have had the opportunity to think about. It prompts you to think about and answer some key questions that will hopefully help you on your way. So would love to have you be a part of the community. Thank you as always for tuning in and I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.